The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle for salvation. Hello and welcome to the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. My name is Max Bernstein. And I'm Randall Slate. And I'm Rob Mead. What's up, Rob? Hi, Rob. Hi, guys. How's it going? All right, so a couple of things. Uh, First of all, some announcements. Number one, uh, we are finally on iTunes. Uh, Randall and uh, and, and I, uh, right after we uh, talked with Rob earlier in the week, figured it out, and you guys can now go and subscribe on the podcast app. So that's pretty good. Um, It was easier than we thought to do that. that. Yeah, but it really required both of us. Yeah. Like I think that you, know, you had things and yeah, it was team effort. I'll let's go with that. Um, also, uh, we will be uh, at the tabletop shop uh, in Newington, Connecticut this Saturday. And uh, we'll be playing in that tournament there. Um, Randall, you coming? Yep. Newington, Connecticut. Yes. All right. So we'll see you all there. Um, and we also want to give a really quick shout out to Davey from What the Hex because he shouted us out saying that we're a good podcast to listen to and we totally agree man um so thanks for uh thanks for the uh the mention um and now we want to uh introduce our guests for today uh rob meat i guess uh rob is a longtime battle for salvation club member and he's also a contributor to tr- contributor to the ex profundus uh, blog uh, online gallery blog yeah uh, does a lot of uh, really cool painting and artwork is there and they do uh, narrative for mostly for 40k can you tell us a little bit about the about your work there rob yeah well, it's all about the models and the artwork and the you know the the lore of 40k and uh, you know s- things that you wouldn't normally see creative stuff and things like that uh, yep yeah. And uh, and Rob is also one of the two responsible for getting me into Warhammer Underworlds, along with Randall. Yeah, we gave him free stuff, basically, including we just, including. We what did you give me? What did you give me, Rob? Uh, I forget. <laughs> you, no, I gave you. Oh, you the gave Magors. me the Magors. I got, right, right, right. I had ordered it online, right, and then we went to uh, the Rift actually in Peakskill, and he gave us some warbands and i got the corn one just because i had them all by then well rob gave me the and... orcs oh right right because you guys were in tight trying to entice me to play yeah, something like which that which was a yeah. big mistake <laughs> well you seem to doing, like it now we're doing then. this yeah mm-hmm. no it was great i love free stuff. since i had that extra one i wanted to give it to somebody who i thought was actually going to play the game so you know what? I returned the favor. I paid it forward to somebody because um, I had uh, after we left Nova, I thought that I had left my ready for action card. And so I had sent uh, an email to GW and I said, you know, I think I forgot. I think I lost one of the cards. Do you have replacement cards? And they're like, oh, don't worry. We'll just send you the the entire deck. Are you serious? Yeah, no, they did. So so all I had to do was show oh, them the proof, of, the proof of purchase. And I sent them that like a, a JPEG or whatever. And um 
and I, I sent that and they, they sent it back to me. And then I, and then I found the card. It was like stuck in one of my boards. And, um, and so I'm like, well, what do I do with this? And I was thinking, oh, maybe I should keep it. But now nah, I gave it to somebody else just to make sure that they, uh, they stuck with the game. Sweet. Yep. All right. Anyway, nice little story there. But, uh, but Rob, thanks for getting me into the game. And now, uh, now I'm doing a podcast. So you get to be on the podcast. So, yeah. So we're going to start talking about two things today. Uh, we're going to start with talking about the Gargant we did. And if you were on the, uh, the, the posts that we've been having on our, on our website, on the Facebook's page, you saw a few pictures of what that, uh, that match looked like, uh, we played. We also had one of the other uh, newer members of BFS, Octavio, played with us, and so it was a it was a four way and not the cool kind. And um, so, yeah, let's talk about the Gargant. Uh, Randall's going to talk about the rules to start off with, and then we'll talk about how the game went, strategies, um, which factions we think would work, special deck building ideas, and uh, and so let's get going. Uh, Randall, take it away. Well, I first heard about this giant scenario from. I think I believe it was a Facebook group, the Warhammer Underworlds community Facebook group, I think. Which is a pretty good Facebook group. There's and a lot of good ones. They had a spoiler one. image, I guess, like a leaked image of somebody had leaked something from the upcoming White Dwarf. This is December 2018 White Dwarf. <clears throat> and it has a, a special scenario for Shadespire in it or for Warhammer Underworlds where it's sort of a team up against the giant and kill him sort of scenario. That's what the whole scenario is built on. But we and found just, it that it's not really a, it's not a pure team up on the Gargant. Right. It is not co-op like I thought it was going to no. be. I thought it was co-op too. It's not. <laughs> yeah, there is a, there is only one winner and there's only one specific way you can actually win the game. So uh, we'll get into that. So I just thought this was the coolest thing. I thought it was going to be really fun to play and i asked around my local area and if anybody had a chaos gargan or i was going to try to buy one and uh one of the guys we originally played the original shadespire with his name is jan he uh had one left over and i got it from him and i painted it and we played this little fun scenario so i'll just go over the rules that's, and you can, and that, you can see the model on the on the Facebook page. Yeah, and that model was actually a lot more fun to paint than I thought it was going to be. I thought that it was going to be kind of a chore, but it's a, actually a really involved, interesting model. Have you it's ever painted that, Rob? Butt. No, no, okay. I never that one. Yeah, it was it cool. We had the actual that we had the actual model. Yeah, it has it's a really lot of cool. character, and it, it really I don't know just tells a it tells a whole story all on one model. And the yes. the one that in the white dwarf looks completely different from mine. I wonder if it has different, you know, bits that you can use to swap out. Anyway, so I'll just go over the rules of the game. So when you go to set up, you set up the board just like you would normally in a multiplayer game, which is I believe everybody rolls off and then places a board. Decides that the obviously you want to win that roll, so you kind of decide where the boards go. And that could be important. We all decided that since it was a four-player game and we were playing with somebody new that we would just put them all in an orientation that made the most sense. Right, so it was just a big box with the corners touching each other. Yeah. Octavio had only played rectangle. like... Octavio had only played like a few games prior to the Gargant 
thing. So, and honestly, I don't think it matters because the giant doesn't really move that much. Yeah, yeah. not a lot. And we didn't Just really know the nuances of the game to yeah. know, you know, where to uh, place the boards in a strategic way. I don't know. So yeah. then there's there is no objective deck, and the only way you can actually score glory is either killing your opponent's models because you can do that in this, or by damaging the the gargan himself. And we'll go over that. And you just uh, you roll off and you pl go around placing all your fighters, and then you're able to place the gargan. And the gargan has to be placed in an eligible area. Which is like not in anybody's territory, but he does take up two spaces, so it can be kind of awkward sometimes to not and be in. And he has you know, to be close to the center of the boards, right? And yeah. so you'll probably have to roll off, and somebody will will be be able to place him in more in somebody else's territory than anybody else. So you go through, you basically go through the turns of the game like you would a normal game of Shadespire, but. There's four total rounds. Normally, there's three in a in a standard game, but in this one, there's four. And the giant has he he follows a chart for his behavior and what actions he does. However, he is controlled by one of the players at the table, and the way you determine that is if anybody is has all their fighters out of action, then they control the giant. And if everybody still has fighters left, then even even just one, then you do a roll off for who controls the giant. And that the the person you'll have to follow the the chart, the behavior chart, but you can decide who, where the attacks go to, and that can be important. Yeah, because that can actually end up being part of the strategy of of the way that the game goes. Right, and also you like even if you're controlling the giant and you end up killing one of your opponent's models, you do not get the glory for doing that. Right. So you have to nope. take that into account. If you're looking to score glory by killing one of your opponent's models, then... Um, you can't do it with the Gargan. Well, you could do right. it with the Gargan, but you won't get any glory Well, you'd have it. to set it up with him and then have one of your models come in and get the, the yeah, last take, hit. get the last one. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that is very powerful. You definitely want to win that that role. And so we'll go over his his behavior chart. Or should we go over his card first? Uh, yeah, go over the card. Yeah, so we'll go over the card. One. The he, we'll just go over his uh, his main stats. He moves two. I don't know why that's relevant because he just gets pushed in the in the movement. Yeah, part. I think the idea is that he gets two two movements. I guess so. Then yeah. he defends on one shield, and then he has scaling health depending on how many players are in the game. So I guess if it's only two, it's twenty six. Three is thirty two. And four, which is what we were playing with. He had 40 health. Uh, he inspires when he gets to a certain threshold. So if you're playing with four people, then at 20 health, he will become inspired. And, and by the way, 20 did... wound tokens on him. Right. Or well, more. Side note, nobody has 40 wound tokens. Right. So um, it's a good idea <laughs> if you want to play this to get like two D20s. Yeah. Well, if you're playing count, with four people. Just count up. Yeah, because yeah. because yeah, if you finish the first D twenty, then he's inspired, and then the second D twenty till till he gets killed. Yeah, we were using so, D twenties um, for the wounds. Yeah, it's kind of the way to do it. Um, and then his attacks are, he has a range one attack. It's three hammers, three dice on hammers. It does three damage, pretty strong. And then he has a hurled boulder, which is a three range, three hammers for two damage with knockback two. So you can kind of take somebody out of the fight. 
completely yeah, with I'm, that thing sometimes. I'm imagining the, the that happening, like, you know, Gargan throwing a rock and it, like, landing on, like, Tarash. Yeah. <laughs> just flattening him. Well, it'll just kill him. <laughs> How many ways can we kill that guy? Yeah. <laughs> he's like the Kenny of, uh, of Shadespire. Yeah, he's like the crash test dummy. Yeah, exactly. And All then right. when, when the Gargan is inspired, when he's at half health, basically... He his attack changes to uh one range, it's four dice on swords for four damage that has cleave. Jesus. So you get hit by that, you're you're done. That is not but it's on swords, which you know, rolling all that dice with swords, sometimes you could just not get hit at all, or you'll get crit and double success, you know. It's yeah. kinda it's totally random if you die or or you're just fine. Yeah, and and it it's basically going to one shot everybody. Yeah, so don't be close to that. And then he has the hurled boulder is range three, four dice on swords that does three damage now and has, still has the knockback too. And then the only other thing that changes about him is that he gets two dice on uh, dodges for defense. And then the the other interesting thing about him is uh, it it says it on his card, not in the actual rules. It says this fighter cannot be driven back, and each time a warband deals damage to the Chaos Gargan, that warband scores glory equal to the damage caused. Yeah. So that that is when he's not inspired. So hitting him early on yeah. is actually really important because you get glory based on the damage. So if you have somebody who does you know three or four damage with a card or any yeah. sort of or if you big have damage knife, hit, like use it early. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll want to use it early on him, and you gain a ton of glory. And then when he's inspired, which is when he's at half health, it says, each time a warband deals any amount of damage to the Chaos Gargant, that player scores a glory point. Right. So it's a lot better to use stuff on him really early, because you'll get a lot of glory. Whereas when he's inspired, you only get one glory per every time you hit him. Yeah, I wonder why they did that, because then it means that the game, like the scoring in the game is going to slow down a lot towards the end of the game uh, rather than. Yeah, we experienced that. Yeah. And we said uh, we had to like change. I I had to change my strategy in the second game just because of that. Right. So let's just go over what he can what the giant can do first, and then we'll talk about how how our game went. And it says so when the giant acts. If he the first activation he has, he has to go on guard. That's the he must do that. And then his activation ends. He doesn't have any cards or anything. He can't play any. And he stuff. also is the first one to activate in any round, no matter which way it's going and who won the roll off. He's the first right. one to go. Yep. Every activation. And then every round after that, he has a chart that he has to follow called Rampage. And it's actually important this one because of who controls him gets to take all these actions out. And so the first one is, uh, he gets to make a kick and that will allow him to just automatically deal one damage to any model that's adjacent to him. And then it will push them back one hex. So that's, that's pretty interesting because you can push them back. You can use the range attack on the guy that you just pushed back, or you can, you're able to move now. They don't want him really getting surrounded, and he gets to well, push a guy back. Well, he does get surrounded. He gets a thing. He gets that big howler bell. What is it called? The bellow of something right. later, which we'll get. But to. I don't understand how that could ever happen because he always gets to 
Well, I guess if he's still well, you could just not kick something. Yeah, or if he's yeah. like cornered or something. Yep. So then he gets to move, and there's you know little diagrams. It's pretty self-explanatory how he moves. He, if you think you can move him a certain way, you can. There's a diagram you can follow in the issue, and then it says uh, they can do and it. So he can move like that twice, and it's a push. So he never charges or anything. So he always stays on guard, which is pretty important. He's he's always on guard whenever you're attacking him because he never yeah, charges. He can just yeah. get pushed and then attack. Yeah. And then um, if he's ever uh, if he's ever within, if nobody's in range of him ever, he will. Both do this bellow of outrage thing and this abominable regeneration. So the regeneration says the controlling player rolls four defense dice for every shield or crit. Remove a wound token from him. And it also says place a, the bellow of outrage says place a wound token on every other fighter card. So they really right. encourage you to not just run away from him. Yeah, you got to get at this. Yeah. That never happened in our game. No, no, no. Right. Every, we some, were somebody was on him just the whole time. On him. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's. Uh, and then the way the game ends is if at the so you go for four rounds and then whoever has the most glory at the end of that, if you kill the giant, is the winner. And if you don't kill the giant, then everybody loses. Yeah, then the giant wins. Yeah. All so right. That's pretty much it. Do we want to talk about how what we experienced there? I was well. Let's just go over who was playing what. I was playing Zinch. Of course. And then you were playing. Magor's I was scenes. playing Magor's as usual. Yep. I was playing Skaven. Skaven. And then Skaven, we had and then uh, Octavia was playing Steelheart. Steelheart's champions. Which were, yeah. which worked pretty good. Let's just they talk did. about them for a second. Sure. They were actually pretty good because they are tanky and they could take shots from the Gargan and they can also take shots from other people. And then they also have pretty high. Um, they have high defense. They have high um, damage accuracy and they deal a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah the damage. Yeah. He attacked early with both Steelheart and Oberyn and got just like six glory right on the first two activations. Yeah, right away. Yeah. And and it was it was hard to it was hard to chase him for the rest of the for the rest of that first match. Yep. Yeah. So uh yeah, I, I would definitely pick something that's uh just as far as factions that would be good against it. Um Definitely pick something that's tanky and deals a lot of damage, um, even especially when they're uninspired, because uh, you want to do a lot of your damage early on. Yeah, the fact that they had two guys that can do three is was pretty yeah, absurd. Like right away. I mean, it's pretty good. I don't know. Is there anybody else who can do that? Not really. Well, I mean, you know, my team's not too bad on that, because in the second game, when I was more aggressive towards the Gargant early on, I, I did a lot better. Um, let's see. Is oh, there imagine. any other... Imagine playing orcs with that. Oh yeah, yeah we, that's yeah. that's weird. We didn't have an orcs play. Orcs would probably be pretty good. It, well, I mean, no, no, know, they just but, one damage to start, right? They yeah, the, the, the dangle bros. Like, you well, have to do you much have of your damage with yeah. you guys. You have the uh, the leader. What's his name? Yeah, Gerzag and Bone also does a good amount of damage when he's when he's uh, inspired. But he's not. Gonna, he's got to take yeah. damage. I mean, wow, you know, it's like you're fighting a gargan. <laughs> He might kick him, but not How'd only you... if they decide to. Yeah. How How did you do there, Rob, with the uh, with the Skaven? Because uh, they don't deal a lot of damage, but you had a lot of good upgrades in there. Well, the first game I had a a really great combo going on, 
but then we started fighting with each other. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Rob and I have this thing. We got a little distracted. Get a little, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is that I was, I, I, okay. So to be fair, I started it. Um, we, my, my other three guys were getting in there and then like rip tooth was still in the back and the Gargan had moved a little bit at that point that I couldn't actually attack it because it was surrounded and it was a little too far away. So I just decided, Hey, why don't I go kill a rat? So I went well, to go kill a rat and then, you know, rip tooth being rip tooth. Fuck. You know, he just rolled crap. And then, um, and then Rob gave me the side eye cause we're sitting next to each other. He's like that. And I could just see, I could just see it just <laughs> smoldering in your soul. I'm like, I get yeah, that. like you said, it's rip tooth. Dog, dog's going to freaking die. Kill well, he had to, otherwise that dog would have <laughs> killed all those guys. He had to get yeah, rid of that. Well, actually I had hidden paths in my hand. I was going to go bring him to the other side, but I understand going after oh, him. Yeah. So scritch came in and, and killed the dog. Yeah, that was he, he, he was trained to to go after small rodents. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I was saying he's like a spaniel. Just, he couldn't help himself. Yeah, exactly. What was your combo though? The oh, the had, uh, had, uh, expendable. That, the uh, hungering skaven with the black hunger on it. Oh yeah. He keeps. I can keep bring him back as many times as I want. He he was dealing like three or four damage. Nice. Uh, and. Uh, he also deals damage to everyone. He attacks everybody around him. So I can attack the, the giant and everybody next to him. Yeah. Next to him yeah. AOE attacks seem very good in this. Yeah. I they, can see that because also you're going to get more glory from other, from other things. Like what is that? Like ulterior glory. What would you call that? Collateral optional collateral, yeah, collateral damage. Glory. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So you had it, you had the black hunger on the hungering Skaven and you, he was inspired also, so he was doing good damage. And then you also had one where it was expendable, where you dealt one damage to whoever. The same guy, yeah. yeah. You the dealt one damage, and then uh, you got a glory if he died. Right. So, uh, yeah. on, on him. Right. So whenever somebody attacked him, they wouldn't get a glory from it. I well, would get you would get a glory, another... right? No. Oh, never mind. I, okay. I wouldn't. I, no, I don't get a glory. But nobody, but the the person killing him doesn't either. Okay, you also use some shade glass. I do a damage, so if 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 like the the giant killed him, I would get a glow. Oh, that's what it was. I you do a damage to, to the giant. I oh, yeah, I actually got a couple that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a good. And you just kept reviving that guy, and he would die again, and happen in infinite time. Yeah, I think I think I revived him once. Yeah, but, but uh. Max murdered my uh, scratch. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, just because I was mad. Of course, because yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, they're very. It's very eye for eye, tooth for tooth. No, if you uh, hadn't moved, if you hadn't murdered him, I would have moved him to the back and just kept on wailing on everybody with the the uh, hungering scaven. So, yeah. I mean, at that point, it was mutually assured destruction. Yeah. What was yeah. good in your deck? You had demonic uh, Max. I'm talking to you. You had uh, yeah. demonic resilience. Uh, I had demonic resilience, and I, I kept like figuring, trying to figure like when do I play this? Yeah, when why do don't I you play talk this? about when that? When do I play this? Well, because the thing is that you can't use it against the gargant because if you if you throw that like I don't want the gargant to attack me, the first thing that he does is he kicks. So and so so the so the demonic resilience will bring uh, damage the first damage you take uh, down to oh, in down the next activation one. down to one. Right. Yeah. But if you're yeah. getting kicked for one then that's it you burned it there so i so i couldn't use it there um so it actually wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be 
Um, Except against other people. Yeah, and also I think trap and pit trap aren't going to work because you can't push the gargant. So it's uh, twist of the knife is good. And then um, you know anything that's just going to like increase your stats. So like great strength, great fortitude, um, that kind of stuff. You know, inspiration mechanics. You know, cards that that stuff is good for me. So are we going to talk about what we think is is good in this scenario? Yeah, what uh, factions yeah. do we think are good? I mean, I think the Magors are good. I think Steelhearts did really well. Um, you know, uh, Skaven, the way that you play them probably, uh, would do a little bit better depending on how the, um, how the other players are kind of, whether they're leaving you alone or not, because I think you did better the second time when we weren't fighting yeah. like, with each other. I, the second time I had, you know, bad luck in the beginning, cause you have to have, you have to upgrade your little rats to do damage or else you're just going to get left behind really fast. Right. And that was my problem. And you don't have any passive scoring glory anymore because your objective deck is gone. You have to kill things and you have to hit the thing. Right. Um, it's it's just a it's a free for all to hit the uh yeah hit the giant. So uh, yeah, I think it, also I think, I think that that factions that have cleave in them or have some way to put cleave on things work a lot better against the Gargant because they're gonna be um on he's gonna be on guard all the time. It's gonna be really tough to hit him. So you either need to have a lot of dice or uh, an, or access to cleave. Cleave is good because, you know, two of the dice results are cleave. So that's it's like a third chance that he's not going to be able to defend against it. On the, right. on yeah, the dice. and he's always on guard for when he gets inspired. He gets two dice and he's on guard. Yeah, it's so having cleave will let you do damage to him. And, be able to do damage. Yeah. And you have to, yeah, you got to kill him in the end or else nobody wins. Mm-hmm. I'd say the as just a general strategy would be send in right on your first activation and make sure you deploy him up forward. Send in your guy who's your best hitter, you know, and just try to get, you know, if you have yeah. a guy that hits on hammers and does three damage rate or two, try to send yeah. him in right away and try Charge to hit the giant right you. away so you can start upgrading. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would do I would put in uh, you know, Amos Dawn Guard if you have her. Yeah. Probably even if even if you're if if it's your leader, like I had to put even put Scritch up there, like yeah. even someone that you think you I want would you to not protect. suggest Night Haunt. No, uh, you could uh, do the 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 Hangman. Oh, you know who I would definitely not do. You, know you should never do dwarves. Oh they'll well, never they'll, they'll never be inspired. inspired yeah. That's right, because there's no that's there's annoying. No tokens. <laughs> we yep. don't know anybody who plays dwarves, so skeletons probably. Skeletons probably that. be good. Do you think so? Yeah, because the champion has cleave, champ- and champion if he cleave. dies, you can revive him and charge right away. Maybe just, uh, maybe just but you would do your entire thing with him. I don't know about skeletons because first of all, that movement too. So it, it's going to take like a few activations before you even get there. I mean, the gargant's not moving that fast. Yeah, but, but you still can't even. In the middle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you could even reach him in in with movement too. Even if you put your guy all the way at the front. Yeah, Another you reason have to why, really... why dwarves are a bad idea. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. I think with the, the when you play sepulchral guard, I think they could be good. But it'd basically just be the warden and the champion show, which is yeah. how they normally play too. So yeah, it would have to be a, a situation where you're getting combos going up fast. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like similar to the Skaven, but Skaven, you know, have so much better movement. Right. I don't know. And yeah, Zinch, I, I didn't really like too much. I didn't like playing them against the, yeah, the giant. 
I probably would have done better with orcs or maybe even forest rider. Yeah, I mean, I think that that Vortimus and Kacharik are basically who you're going to be doing all your damage with because mm -hmm. the blue horror is great um, when you're playing one on one and there's objective to, and 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 cards to be played. But you know, by himself, he just does one damage. Yeah, he's pretty worthless sometimes. in this mode. Yeah, I I don't know if I would use. Uh, I would know if I would be focusing on on him. Whereas if you're playing him in the tournament setting, you might focus on the blue horror a lot more. Oh, definitely. So in this scenario, you'd be be dealing mostly with Vortimus and Kacharik. Mm -hmm. Vortimus is actually good because he does two damage from a distance. You can put Glory Seeker on him. Um, you know, yeah, you can get a lot of upgrades on him really fast if you actually get the hits through with maybe Kacharik early. Yeah, yeah, and things that attack from a distance are are pretty good because it's once too many uh, guys surround the the giant, it's hard to attack him sometimes. Right, so you can just sit on the outside and just plink away. Yeah, and you don't have to expose yourself too much mm -hmm. to the giant and to the, the other people. Who are we missing? So we, we said, so Steelheart's good. Reavers? We didn't, what do you think about them? Uh, probably not. I mean, Reavers are fine. You get Sake and you get yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, well, yeah, Garrick. you get Sake I mean, and then you get Garrick. Do yeah. everything with them, you know? I think yeah, like you have right. Sake, you have Garrick. You could usually have in that deck, you know, damage upgrades so right you know I think they might be right away good. right away you can get guys that are doing three or four damage on that right orcs you'd just be dealing mostly with bone cutter and uh and gerzag the downside with reavers is that the giant can just swing back at you and just like uh yeah, the hell out yeah. kill you yeah yeah it's just yeah. uh squish you or what you could do is you can send up Arnolf and uh, and Targor just up quick, let them die, and then just do all your damage later on. But you also you don't want to wait. Yeah, they just do one damage. Get them, yeah, yeah and they're you not. You want to get damage. you want you want to be doing all your damage right up front. And, yeah. and any warband where you can do a lot of damage right up right out of the gate is probably good. Mm -hmm. All right, and so, say Blooded Sake can do that for you with that. Blooded Sake. You get mm -hmm. him in there, swing a couple of times, and then get some upgrades on Garrick. And maybe Car Carsis can like kind of harass your opponents and pick off sure. some of them, and then Garrick can come in and actually survive the giant attacking. Yeah. All right. Um, any special deck building things? So we talked about uh, Twist the Knife being a good thing to have if you're doing this. Um, and uh, you know any of the things where you get um, additional attacks, so ready for action. Um, my turn if you have uh, enough health. Oh yeah. yeah, you know because because he he deals four damage when he's inspired, right? But he only deals three when he's uh when he's not. I don't have the card in front of me, Randall. Is that correct? Yeah, three. Yeah, three damage when he's uninspired. So mm -hmm. I mean, like early on, having my turn might be good to have. Yeah. Well, it kind of it kind of begs the question whether you really want to play the scenario with decks that are constructed just to play the scenario. Yeah, I think, it, I think you kind of have to. It's a different game. Well, it, it's going to give you a different, way different experience if you play a play it with a deck that you made just for this. Then, like, yeah, what you're we going to break it real fast sure. if you build a deck specifically to to deal with this thing. You're going to kill him in two seconds. Yeah, that that uh, that. Uh, so you're saying to like make the game a little bit more challenging, you should just just use what you have. In my opinion, if if right. if people overthink it, and cause this is a this is just my uh, op-ed here. It's it's a it's a scenario that you play one or two times for fun, right. with a with a beginner's 
you know, or like someone that you want to get into game. I think it's good like for beginners. Casual environment. You know, yeah, and, I think it's perfect because they get to see yeah. how the game works. They don't have to worry about one of the decks right away. They don't have to worry about, you know, um, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, the, the objective tokens. Uh, so so it, it makes uh, it kind of streamlines the game a little bit. And it's just about rolling dice and hitting things. And just yeah. to get used to like the game mechanics. And then you can throw in that other stuff later. So yeah, I think this it, is actually a pretty good thing to do with somebody who's just starting out. Yeah, and it's really fun. It's not confrontational. Like you not don't have you feel like a lot of pressure with four people. You know, if you want to. Yeah, there were a lot of epic lulls that were happening. Yeah, the, a lot of good moments in there. Mm -hmm. Sure. So we had a good All time right. playing it. I think so. The uh, verdict is what? What on a verdict? On a school teacher's I, I, verdict. What? What grade <laughs> are you giving this one? Uh, okay, Mr. hold Bernstein. on a second. Hold on. Let me get my rubrics out. Right. Um, I I would say no, you don't uh, use the ru rubric. You just do just how much you like the, the thing. I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I don't know if it's something that I would want to do all the time. Um, it's a nice diversion. It's a nice palate cleanser. Um, if you've been playing a lot and you're just playing the same thing over and over again to, you know, you know, I, I play Magros all the time to the point where it's, you know, not as fresh anymore. I like playing them because they're very successful and I, and I have a lot of experience with them, but, um, but to, to be able to do this, and, you know, like just change it up a little bit and have to think a little bit differently. Um, you know, I liked it. I'll, I'll give it a solid B. Yeah, I was thinking a solid B, not a plus or minus. No, I don't because, think it's something I would want to do all the time. Yeah, I thought it was interesting enough to be fun and you could tell it was thought out and at least play tested a few times. And we had yeah. a good time with it. But it didn't yeah. really like wow me as something that, you know, this is this was not like an alternate format to play the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something I want to do all the yeah, time. Yeah, it wasn't something I would do week in and week out. Now, no. what what I would definitely do though is that if you have three people and everybody wants to play, um, you know, so that you don't have to like wait, you know, for 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 two people to finish playing, um, maybe you would do it if you have a, if you have an odd number of people. Yep, or you could do it at like conventions or something like that. There's always sure. those fun, you know, nostalgia. Mo this is like the first nostalgia moment. You know, maybe years from now, if this game is still going, we'll I'll be at a convention and remember they had this white dwarf thing with the giant. Somebody pulls out a giant. Yeah. You know, you maybe you have six it. people all versus two giants or something like that. And you have a good yeah. time at the. Yeah. Convention. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it's nice to have. I'm glad that there are alternative things. Um, but, uh, you know, just like with X-Wing and like epic versions of X-Wing where it's like yep. nobody plays that nobody plays epic like mm -hmm. nobody ever did that. Uh, so, or like uh, Hangar Bay for X Wing is like a little different fun. Yeah, it's just it's, it's it's nice to it's nice to be able to do that, or at least have the option. And now we do, which is good because I think it was something that it was lacking a little bit in the game. Yeah, because everything was just confrontational, one on one. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, and this this gives a little. It's hard to turn new people on to that. Like, let's play. Here's my tuned up deck. Right, I'm gonna beat the you crap know, out of yeah. you right now. Here's exactly. a like, this quick thinker and time trap. Can't do it anymore, man. Yeah. Woo bar. <laughs> yeah. Stop trying to make woo bar a thing. <laughs> I think right, so... that that's like that's my fetch. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make it a thing. Are you ready? Gonna say Rob? Mean Girls is from Mean Girls. Uh, I was gonna say I, I might even give this an A as a casual scenario, oh. but only because of that cool card they printed up for the for the Gargan. I think it's awesome. You know, they, that they put oh, yeah. that in the white dwarf. I didn't and... even mention that. 
and, and like you guys said, like the, the rules are not broken. I mean, it's a, it's a good, like no, functional yeah. scenario. It didn't feel like weird at all playing it. it felt very, very cool. Like, like, you know, like you didn't like, there wasn't just one way to win. Like, you know, as, as we started killing the giant, we started thinking about, Oh, maybe we should kill the, shouldn't kill it too fast and kill the other guys first, you know? Like, yeah. So it was a lot of, it, you know, it was well-designed scenario. I thought. Yeah, it wasn't too complicated, and it wasn't too clunky either. Right. All right. So. All right. So are we ready to move on? Yeah, let's I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, uh, so the next thing we're gonna do is, and uh, it's gonna take most of the rest of the episode, is we're gonna go through the Echoes of Glory pack because we never did, and we probably should. And unlike the Leaders pack, there's actually good stuff in here. Um, sorry, more than two good things because Shining Example and. Uh, what is it quick advance those are pretty good but um basically the entire uh leader pack was total crap and i believe this echoes so they, they whatever happened there was so much blowback i'm sure they were just like hey we gotta if we're gonna do this again it's gotta be pretty good but i, I must say i would rather that they print something that's under the power level than something that's over the top and then suddenly you're playing with like yeah, well, all those cars and everything. We don't else. want like yeah, we don't want like power creep or anything like that. But I, I think that this one was okay. There's a lot of stuff in here that is good. And then there's some stuff that's um a lot of other stuff that's good in certain situations. And I think that this one was much more balanced. But the the leaders uh the leaders pack just felt like it was a waste of money. Because there was hardly there was literally two good cards in it. Yeah very it poorly and designed. It was, and it was really expensive. It was a little um, yeah. disappointing. So if it's gonna be, if it's gonna be, you know, what what was it, 15, 18 bucks, something like that, like it should be, it should be decent. You know what the best thing about the leaders pack is, is that I can I can store my objective tokens in the box. That was the best part. Yeah. And shining example, which I took out and then fired when fired premium up. Premium box. Then I threw it back in. I know it's premium. Then I threw it back in when when fired up became restricted. So that's it. Um, okay, so what we're going to do, oh, by the way, caveat, if you have bought the factions of Steelheart, like the, sorry, the, uh, sorry, the, uh, the oh, yeah, we expansions of the Steelhearts champions and the Garrick's Reavers, which are like the reprints from the original core set. If you bought those separately, you do not need to buy the Echoes of Glory pack because these are just the cards that are in those expansions. The faction cards are exactly the same as the original core deck. So uh, there are no faction specific cards in here. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so uh, the only reason to buy the Echoes of Glory is if you are not planning on buying the Garrick's Reavers and Steelheart Champions standalone expansion packs. Um, so if you bought them with uh, the original core set, you should buy this. If you did not get the original core set, you don't need to buy this. You can just go get the expansions. Unless, of course, you don't want to play them, in which case get the Echoes of Glory pack and you'll have all the uh, universal cards. All right. Yeah. Caveat done. So we're going to go through the objectives, the gambits, and uh, the upgrades, and we're going to just pick ones that we thought were worth talking about. Um, so we will skip over quite a bit. Um, if you have any uh, cards that you think are pretty good, feel free to go on the Facebook page and uh, throw down a little commenty commenty for us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see if uh, we can talk about it on the next episode. Um, but are you guys ready to get started on the objectives? Yep. All right. 
Let's talk about the first one that we thought was uh, at least decent. This one is called Brute Force. And Brute Force says, score immediately. It's one glory. Score immediately if a friendly fighter's attack action succeeds against an enemy fighter who has two or more supporting fighters more than the friendly fighter. All right. This one we didn't rank too high on the power level, but we thought it was a, a score immediately that wasn't too hard to pull off, so... Yeah, right. It's a score score immediately, so automatically it's it's kind of good, and it might have some situations, or you could build your deck around it so that it it's good. I also think that it depends a lot on what you are playing and what your opponent is playing. I feel if you were doing, um, because zero can be how many supporting fighters you have, and then you can have uh, three around you and if you have uh if you're playing against a faction that's a very swarming like uh you know skaven or uh, night haunt or garrick's reavers uh there's a kind of a a decently high probability of it happening and also you can combo it with uh center of attention and just draw uh other you know uh, enemy fighters towards you and then set up that situation right center attention and you know if the meta ever turns into more swarmy kind of high model count stuff then it might be good yeah we'll see i think those barbarians are gonna have but, like six characters yeah in them. six and do we know how many the dwarves are those new dwarves are gonna have oh that's gonna be a low that's gonna be three or four. Oh, is it really yeah okay and the troll it, is four right it, it's still really hard to I, like you don't get many situations where you're you're in adjacent to three different guys yeah i don't think it's going to happen just naturally on its own every game yeah you have to which is the reason why i mean i i personally wouldn't use this one um i think that there's other stuff that's better all right okay move on all right moving on the next one is called combination strike and um i i considered using this in my uh in my magor's deck and I, i i may try it out um it's a score this in an end phase if you scored at least two objective cards in the preceding action phase that means you scored two score immediately so they have to be score immediately so yeah so you need to have this in a deck where you're scoring a lot of score immediately cards and you're like cycling through them fast yes um so i mean you know it's too glory it's too glory it's pretty good i mean and it's too glory yeah i have two i have i think six score immediately in my magor's deck yeah, and, probably uh, there's some you, of them that I can score at the same have, time. Yeah, eight or probably nine. Probably want to have six in there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I took out. Um, I took and out easy ones to do that you know yeah, you're going to be able to do. I, know. I took out uh, superior tactician um, because I feel as though the score immediately that I have are not as good as the ones that I had earlier and and you know because when before the woo bar i was able to you know put all of the great ones in i had you know ploy master well ploy master's still in there i had uh you know fired up i had change of tactics i had uh, i still have escalation um you know and it was just i was scoring so many of them all the time because they were all super easy but then after the woo bar yeah. it made it a little bit harder so I, I i took out um superior tactician but then i was playing the other day and i was scoring stuff again and uh, yeah, I don't know. So, so I'm looking at this one thinking this might be a good alternative. Yeah, this combination strike is in any end phase, not the third one like Superior right. Tactician. Yeah, is, it can yeah. just be any time you have it. So if you have a good yeah. turn, and you the can... other two you have, the other two things you have have to be score immediately and you have to do them both. Yeah, so Unless if you, you do, like, if you do, do this two score immediately, then you're scoring a minimum of four glory on the turn just through your cards whereas you yeah. might have killed guys you might have drawn new ones that help you 
they draw, yeah, draw and, another one and yeah. only scores in the end phase or something like that. So it's a big uh, glory swing. Yeah, and I, I I don't think that this, by the way, is a um is a win more card because if you're scoring score immediately, is they're usually like one glory yeah. piece. It's more of a deck enabler than a win more. Yeah, I think so. Right, you have to engineer that situation. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty sure. All right. Uh, speaking of score immediately, uh, let's do this next one. This next one is called ganging up. Uh, score this immediately if all hexes adjacent to a single enemy fighter other than blocked or incomplete hexes contain friendly fighters. And yeah. it's a score immediately, and it's two glory. I think this goes in a night haunt deck. Yep. We, like we, right away. Yeah, we, we wrote here that it's good for night haunt and goblins. Yep. Because yep, they have goblins. the highest chance of actually... Oh, you can move them around. It's score yeah, immediately. Only if they're adjacent. You don't even have to do anything at the time. You just have right. to get them in position. It's just and at any at any time they are all adjacent, you know, completely surrounding a the guy, then you just score two glory. And it can be against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. But it might be a little hard to set up. You have to engineer everything to what if somebody make that happen. uses um, you know hidden paths. Yeah, hidden paths is the best time to use there. it or oh, center yeah. of attention. Sure. Center of attention. Yep. I love that card. All right, so we good with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's coming up. That's what that's in, that comes out of this uh, this pack. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one is called Girded for Battle. Um, this is a, a score in end phase. Uh, it is one glory. If all surviving friendly fighters, at least three, have at least one upgrade. So if you just spread the upgrades around, you right. can do this. But of course, if you have a low model count and somebody dies, it's a dead card. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's also hard to score in the first round. Yeah, of course. It's going to be better on later in the game. I believe and this is only... a reprint of a certain older cards. If, yeah, there was another yeah. yeah, there was another one that kind of did the same it, thing. It's hard to score in the first round and it only gives you one glory, so it only maybe only on a deck that you're just going to turtle up and you really aren't going to you know, you Would have you to do it with the Skaven. I would do it. I would just gave it no. No, even though you can bring them back. Yeah, but you have to upgrade everyone, and you know. Well, you're doing a lot of that anyway. Yeah, upgrading everyone with Skaven. There's five of them. That's tough. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, it has to be all yeah. surviving. Yeah. At least yeah. three. Gotcha. Okay. No, so then no. no, forget it. It's good Not on bad. uh, maybe like low model count. So anything like four and up, it's worthless. Maybe on like with three guys, and you have to have uh, the uh, what you call it, spoils uh, of battle, or spoils of battle the, in there. The new one, there's that so, new one that deals one damage yeah. to you. You have to have spoils of battle. You have to. Oh, what is that? Have a lot path? of easy scoring other objectives. Because you you can't so you can't score your other objectives, upgrade this, and then score this, or or do you? No, I think you do, yeah, because you score any time during the end phase. So you oh, could score yeah, your you other objectives. Yeah, you can score. No, no, no. Don't you do upgrade. all the objectives first and then do the upgrade? You do. You can't go But back you can to still it, score objectives after that. Can you? Right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Hmm. I, don't, I thought you had to do one thing and then the other thing and then the, and then the card drawing and then you're done. Well, doesn't it work that way too with Master of War? Like if you I make mean, an upgrade at the end. Yeah, yeah, but like those that. are two objectives in a row. Like you're saying do objectives, then do um, upgrades, and then go back to objectives. 
I don't think you can do that. Yeah, there's, you a, there's a specific the time you have to play those. Then all okay. of the upgrades, and then any of the drawing you want to do. Maybe we should right. put okay. this one on the list. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, it's I, I, I mean, look, there are certain people who use a lot of those things and maybe work for them, but you have to have ways of putting uh, stuff on your on your guys, even without glory. Because you want to be able to, you want to be able to yeah. use it okay. not just in the first round. Now there are now two cards out there that can instantly put stuff on your guys. There's the uh, the the pact or the new one. Coolish the pact. Yeah, coolish pact. Yeah. So now you have two cards that can do that. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let, let's move on. Uh, the next one that we want to talk about is called Hail and Hole. Uh, so far, so good, says Severin. Uh, score this in an end phase if no friendly fighters are out of action and no friendly fighters have wound tokens on their fighter cards and it is one glory and we were talking about turtle cast yeah so a lot of the turtle cast had a lot of their cards either banned or restricted mm-hmm. by the the bar list and this is one that could potentially replace it it's not as good as some of the other ones they had, but I mean, uh, but yeah. you know, shining examples not as good as fired up, but I mean, that's where we're at. Yep, that's where we're. <laughs> that's what you're working with now. So if you want to still play Turtle Cast, you probably need this. I think this yeah. is a good one, especially in the first round. I yep. would definitely include that because you know, if you do hallway setup, oh yeah, you know, and you just put your guys oh, back, yeah. then you you got you got it in the bag, and you you know, you know just yeah, just sit on it. it's coming. Sure, it can't damage you. Cool. All right. Uh, next one is called Martyred, um, and this is. Uh, basically, uh, there, there's another one called Strong Start. We'll get to in a minute, which is the opposite of it. It is a score immediately. It is one glory. If the first fighter taken out of action in this round is a friendly fighter, and basically we were saying that this should be in any deck that has serious Dangle Bros. Yeah, auto include. Yeah, I think so. So if you're dealing with uh, Zinch, if you're dealing with uh, you know, Garrick's Reavers, if you're dealing with Goblins. Yeah, Garrick's, Garrick's definitely. Yeah, uh, certainly with um, with uh, the, Skeletons. The, yeah, the Sepulchral Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, so the strategy that I've been using was this one, is that now that you know, let's say you have Modern in your hand, you could do a lot more things. You could be a lot more risky with your Dangabros and, like, you know, run them up there and, and like camp on an objective and your enemy's territory you know like go somewhere because you know that even if he dies it's not going to be really a disadvantage to you you're, you're going to get a glory out of it the other guy's going to go to glory you draw another card yeah it's Can't great it to the, it's great to place one of your and they're called dangle bros for a reason right you dangle them in front of your your opponent he and goes in charges them. them kills them then you have now that guy is, has charged. Now he can't move. You have somebody else come in and start wailing on him. So having right. martyred allows you to. So you could really this. use a use a guy as bait with it's this. Just you know, economical, like, yeah. And, and sure. just and especially if you know you're playing against someone that takes objectives, you know, just run them up there and well, try to kill me. Maybe you'll miss and. You know. Yeah, then you'll push him off later. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, let's go to the next one. This is called Opening Gambit, and this is Combination Strike, only it's like Combination Strike Light. And this one I do have in my deck because this one I score a lot. Um, Opening Gambit is uh, score this in an end phase if you scored at least one objective card in the preceding action phase. Yeah. You get one glory for that. It's it's the same thing. It's just instead of two and two, it's one and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot better than combination strike i think i think if you have a deck that's designed to cycle through the immediately scores Mm -hmm. you know 
you definitely want to have this one in there and then maybe later think about having combination strike like if you don't have a better option yeah no i think this is the better option just because the, I, I find that the smaller easier ones even though they have less glory end up being more economical because they just they just happen more often well and, and it, rather it starts the the ball rolling you get the yeah. uh you get that glory and then the snowball yeah. on the especially the snowball. Like the snowball on the on uh, certain factions like Magors is, is yeah. great. You're gonna see this a lot in aggressive decks that rely mm -hmm. a lot on score immediately. And speaking of that, here is Strong Start, which is mm -hmm. a score immediately, one glory. It's the opposite of martyred. Score this immediately if the first fighter taken out of action in this round is an enemy fighter. And that goes in the Magors right away. Yeah. And I think even if you have martyred in your deck you could still put this one in there because yeah maybe oh definitely yeah because either you're doing one or the other one and right. you know you know one if, of if you just draw one around. of them then you know it's in your hand and you know what strategy to play for so they're both great yep all right sounds pretty good and yeah that's um, another it's a, it, first it's a score immediately and it what do you call it? advancing strike and defensive strike? Yeah, those guys are gone. Where have been restricted. Yeah. So this can kind of well, I mean, replace not that. Gone, but there's better stuff. Decks that ran and decks that ran those, you can replace that and not have to get rid of a, uh, not have to take a restricted card. All right. All right. We ready to go to gambits? Yep. All right. Let's go. All right. Hey, we're cooking. Um, okay. So the first gambit is one I think we're going to probably spend a a minute or two talking about anyway because it's pretty great um i think i'm gonna put in my megor's deck if i can find some space for it um uh for a couple of reasons because uh, i'm planning on putting master stroke in there too um so this one is called aggressive defense yeah and we've talked about this one on I think, uh, two other episodes so uh, yeah <laughs> well i don't think so we need to go too much into it but this card is extremely powerful so why don't you read it all right so let's go here it is and it's it's a paragraph uh it's a reaction uh, play this during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter before the attack roll period. So you have to, you have to say so when they declare the attack, you have to play this immediately. So watch your triggers. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, so if, cause if they roll dice, you missed it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but by the way, if your opponent like starts rolling dice and you didn't have a chance to do it, say, Hey, you didn't give me a chance to like, you know, be assertive. Yep, yep. Yeah, you didn't give me a chance to play this card. Hold on. So, um, so, so after, right as they declare the charge, they're picking up their dice. You say, wait, I'm playing aggressive defense. Now you cannot make defense, a defense roll. So if they blank out, you're good. If not, they're going to hit you, but the target of the attack action cannot be driven back. So again, you can't be pushed afterwards, no matter what happens after the attack action, if the friendly fighter survives immediately make an attack action that with that fighter that targets their attacker. So it acts like the gore fist where um, you can't be driven back and you get to hit back if you're, if you're there. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that if you're playing any faction that has uh, four health and some pretty good offense, I think you take this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it also, well, it depends on, um, you know, you're taking characters that can survive getting hit without, having a defense role so that automatically limits it to certain warbands right well it also it's also good against warbands where their accuracy is not that great oh true yeah like so if they just want to poke bit at wider, you with somebody yeah it's a little bit wider than i th I, I think we're, we're giving it credit for mm -hmm. yeah and then the, uh, the the part where you cannot be driven back is really significant yeah that negates trap 
yep. negates trap. And it also, if you're standing on an objective and you don't want to be moved, you could just do it for that reason. Yeah. 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 Or it right, could so be I'm, pushing you into something else. It could be pushing you into the, uh, the lethal hex. The lethal hex. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so good. And then it also, you know, because it's a reaction, that's really powerful. Scores and it, stroke. it, yeah, it helps you score objectives if you need to attack. Right. So, so you get to turn. So you get to do this before the other guy can play another one and double attack card, you know, or right. or do like a action, you know upgrade them, then do ready for action or something. It happens all before that, so yep. you can extremely powerful yeah. card. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a space for it. All right, so the next one is called Baffling Illusion, and this is another one we want to talk about. This is a kind of wacky card. Again, we have a giant wall of text here here we go the first time a fighter would make a move action in the next activation their player instead scatters x from the hex that that fighter occupies and pushes the fighter along the chain to the end hex x is the fighter's move characteristic so if you move five you would scatter five um, if the fighter cannot be pushed into a hex the push ends and the last hex in the chain uh is it in the last hex in the chain they can occupy oh sorry i i read that with the wrong inflection if the fighter cannot be pushed into a hex the push ends in the last hex the, the chain they can occupy make a place a move token next to that fighter so so for this one what you do is is you make it almost impossible for them to make the move they wanted to make yep they have to use the scatter in order to move move or charge Right, so you, they just end up walking around yeah. and ambling around and landing somewhere weird. Yeah, it ends up playing a lot like um, Invisible Walls, which was which is a very powerful card. You play Invisible Walls, yeah. and then somebody, everybody in the next activation's move characteristic becomes one, and you can really leverage that against opponents if you're playing objectives or if you're playing against an aggressive warband. They basically can't charge you for one whole activation, and they can't really move yeah. towards you either. It's a, when when they say a move action, that means that does this include a charge? I would say yeah. so. Uh, I, yeah. It so so it kind of works like quick thinker then, but sort of. In that was my way. thought, but the downside is that you have to telegraph this. You know, you can't. Right. It's not an yeah, instant. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's why it's, like, yeah, a lot less. So, so it's hit, softer. You know, it's yeah. being played against you. You're probably going to do something that's like, I mean, probably not going to. You're just going to draw a power card. <laughs> I would maybe like if you know your your move is is going to be useless and it could be bad for you. Right. It does make one of their one of their activations useless though. Yeah. Yeah, and it could yeah, even be if right. they need to get onto an objective. So if you know that they need to make a move, like get on, so it works for getting on an objective too. You know, because it's a little more powerful that way that you're controlling the other guy rather than just controlling your guy. You see what's interesting here, if I, if, if I may, this is one thing that I think is interesting because this card and the next one, Center of Attention, it's when I read these two and I kind of like really look at them in depth that I kind of realized that the Woo Bar was something that they were, they had planned. It wasn't like a reaction to like something like, because these cards are, this one is basically just a softer, more balanced version of Quick Thinker and Center of Attention is basically a, uh, a softer, uh, more balanced version of uh, Great Concussion. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, they should have been looking at those cards and like, why is this good? And and can we just keep this? But you know, that's do interesting. It, it does feel like that's a better version of it. Yeah, 
All right. Well, speaking of which, let's, let's go skip over to uh, Center of Attention, which is our next one. Uh, this is also a, a pretty great card. Uh, I have this in the Megor deck. I, th I think it's great. Uh, choose a fighter and push all other fighters that are within two hexes of that fighter up to one hex so that they are closer to that fighter in an order you choose. If a fighter cannot be pushed away, do not push them. Uh, sorry, cannot be pushed in this way. Do not push them. So I was talking, uh, when we were talking about, um, uh, I don't remember which episode it was in, but we were talking about center of attention and how instead of a great concussion that pushes everything away um, all over the board, center of attention is more like a, you know, like a, a vacuum that pulls everything in in a small section of the board. Right. Yeah, we yes. talked about this a lot on previous episodes. It's a yeah, it's extremely good. Um, I like it. There's I, so many I mean, different applications for it. Oh yeah, you can you can yoink somebody closer to you and just wail on them for multiple turns. And you can yoink of, them off uh, objectives. Charge. Yep. It's really good if you can get people to if you do it on people that made a charge move. Yep. So they can't really react to it anyway. You just you know, and you have a, and of course the. Uh, area of a effect attack you know, you know yeah like you combo with mighty swing mighty swing kind of thing mm -hmm. pretty good awesome I, I, I think this i think you're going to see this card in a lot of decks I, I i really do um because it just has so many applications um all right so that sounds good for that one let's keep going uh the next one is called damning pact and it has a barbarian wizard lady on it um so let's see it says choose a friendly wizard they suffer one damage. Oh, screw your own guys. Uh, the first time they attempt to cast a spell before the next power step, any fighter damaged by that cell, that spell suffers one additional damage. Yeah, so we thought that this was a card you're going to want to look for in the future uh, when more of the warbands come out and we get more spell yeah. cards. Yeah, we don't know Especially if it's that... right now. But... Yeah. Especially ones that do damage from a distance, right? And we were yeah. talking about how the barbarians uh, might. The, we were talking about how they have a lot of healing mechanics. Well, we, well, uh, we don't know that like for that, sure. That was like just my speculation. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so this might end up being good then. So keep an eye on this one. Damning pact. Yeah, this is also a <clears> spell <throat> attack action. Also, uh, it could be a. No, it just not. says spell. No. Cast a spell. Oh, oh cast never a spell. mind. Oh, so, it so, says, so, I'm sorry. It is can't a ploy, but. The yeah, first no, time they attempt to cast a spell before the next power step. Oh, so you could be in the a spell attack. No, it would have to be on a spell. No, it would have to be on a, on a gambit. Because if you're, cho you're choosing a friendly wizard, they suffer a damage, right? And then the next time they attempt to cast a spell before the next power step. Yeah. So that means it has to happen... Oh, so you can play this... You can do it before in, you go. In, ...in the power step, and then... The, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, so yeah. it could be an attack. Yeah. yeah. Yes, keep an eye on oh, this no. card if you play Wait, with Wizards. Wait, hold on a second now. Doesn't that mean it has to be a spell attack? Because if you get to the power step to do... No, you can play another card in the same power step. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right after. Your yeah, opponent okay. would get a chance to respond if they wanted to. So but... You'd have to play... Yeah, you'd have to play this first, then your opponent would get to respond, and then you could like do, like, uh, what is it? You know, yeah. like Chain Lightning or something. Okay, anyway, I if, you. if you like Wizards, maybe you'll use this card in the future. Maybe. All right. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is called Ghoulish Pact. Uh, we're already seeing this one in uh, in Orc decks. Uh, choose a friendly fighter and uh, and an upgrade card from your hand that you can apply to that fighter. The fighter suffers one damage. 
And if they survive, apply the upgrade to this fighter. So you can play this, give Gerzag one damage, which he wants anyway to inspire, and then put you know great strength or whatever speed or whatever on him and uh, get him in there and start wrecking face. Yeah, the other interesting yep. thing about this is that it triggers certain reactions. Like mm -hmm. oh, my, like turn. my turn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty good. Yeah, so now we have the damning pact and the ghoulish pact. You know, that those are both activate in kind of the same way. So if there was ever a reaction, you could play on your wizard. Out there. Yep. Yeah. Now I have this in my Skaven deck as well. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah, it, right. it's good on like orcs, but it's also good on like little squishy guys that you know they're probably just gonna die anyway. So oh yeah, like if they damage on them. With. Yeah, especially like the the you know expendable rat guys that you can just bring back anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, your deck, Rob, with scaven. skeletons, you know things like that. It, it's gonna be good. Yeah, your scaven deck really re revolves around getting those upgrades out because you can end up doing yeah. a lot of damage with those little rats. Yeah. Cause they can yeah. combo really fast. So anything that you're, that you want really need to get upgrades out, this is probably going to be worth it most of the time. Just, even if you're putting a da uh, damage on here. Yep. Good. Ready good card. Move on? Okay. Let's go to haymaker. Um, haymaker. You get plus two dice for the first attack action made by a friendly fighter in the next activation. You cannot make defense rolls for that fighter. The latter effect persists until that fighter is out of action or the end of the round, whichever happens first. So this is a great one to use very late in the round. Yeah. Um, but it just makes it a higher chance that you'll actually land. So if you absolutely positively need to land something it, at the end of a round, this might be pretty good. Um, I think it's a little situational, but I can see some people using this. Well, this this combos very well with your uh, your things that that do extra damage on crits. Yeah, you know, like a, because yeah. more dice that you're rolling, the more chance you have of a crit. Oh yeah, you put this on Rip Tooth, he rolls five dice. You put the uh, concealed weapon on him. Yeah, jeez, that's and it, be hard to hard and to like if, yeah, yeah or if you're able to re-roll your dice. Yeah, right. Yeah, so and took charge. and like let's say you have like five dice, and then you're re-rolling. It's like eight or nine dice yikes yeah and then of course uh you know with rip tooth if he lands a, a crit which is likely on five dice uh then you get cleave right that's pretty great so stuff that that activates with crits and you know and even then it's still useful because we all have those situations where we just have to kill this guy and like they'll start a chain of like three objectives in our hand or something you know Right. Yeah, we've all been those essential like moments in the game. Yep. Yeah, you just got to be careful just, when you use it. You got to be careful when you use it. Like you have to be very smart about about piloting that. All right, ready to move on. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the next one. This is called Lethal Ward. Uh, Lethal Ward. You choose an objective token. Any fighter in the same hex as that token suffers one damage. I I can see certain um groups using this I, I i was listening to a uh a podcast i might have been claim the city and they were talking about somebody using far strider deck where they had like all of the that that fighter suffers one damage so this and encroaching shadow and just all the ones where you just like do yeah, raptor damage. strike yeah yeah you um, can kill people maybe really also, fast it's really yeah. reliable mm -hmm. and also shard gale is always out there yeah yeah 
Yeah, I with it, you don't even have to touch anyone. You you could be, you you don't even have to move. You can just yeah, be like right, Lethal you know, Ward and Shard Gale, and Boom. I killed one of your guys. Advancing Strike, you know. Yep. Strong start. A lot of stuff. Yeah, it's, stuff. it's a, the, it's the a idea card. that you can you can deal a damage at, at things across the board. Yeah, I wonder if, if someday that's going to be a, a deck archetype, like just being uh, able to just if there's enough of them. Sure. I mean, I think there's do like all these weird, so weird, like weird damage from a distance effects and just combine them into uh, mm -hmm. something. Yeah, I think far Riders are almost there. Yep. Yeah, that that yeah. Yeah. super aggressive far Rider right. deck is getting there. Yeah. Right, because he can shoot with the hawk over like a long distance and mm -hmm. and move and shoot guys with the little guns. Yep. All right. Cool. Let's uh, let's move on. The next one is called Regal Vision. And Regal Vision, choose a friendly fighter that is holding an objective. That fighter becomes inspired. So you wouldn't use this in a uh, in a dwarf deck because that's just going to happen anyway. But um, I think Night Haunt, you use this. I could see if you're playing a more more defensive version of Far Striders. If you're playing uh, Turtle Casts, um, this is probably a pretty good card to have. And anytime when you when you know you're going to be standing on objectives and just nobody's going to be bothering you, this is a good one to have. Yeah, you're talking about the restricted list. You know, when you see this card, it kind of makes you think that maybe Inspiration Strikes was added on the original restricted list, and maybe they pruned it down a little bit. Yeah, because this is just that, objectively yeah. worse than inspiration yeah, it strikes, but yeah. it's, it essentially does yeah. the same thing. I mean, but... you need three. <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, or Mag well, the Magors would have three if you if you include this. Yeah, but um, but uh, any other deck, I mean, then now you have two options. You know, you just have the regular inspiration strikes, and then you have Regal Vision. You can get two of them. Yeah. So instead of making making two cards that are exactly the same, they make one that's slightly less good. So. You know, now you can make a deck that has the, you know, that effect more incorporated into it, but you know, it's not going to be overpowered because you have because that first card was so good. Yeah, I like this a lot in Night Hunt because they get two dice when they're inspired. All the little yeah. chain rasp guys get two dice when they're inspired for defense. So if yeah. they're on an objective and you have, let's say, supremacy or a hold objective, whatever. Then you can just play this to inspire them, and it's or you harder can get it on the Briar up. Queen before she goes in and tries to run amok. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, the 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 last gambit we're going to talk about is a gambit spell called Rend the Earth. This is a gambit spell, two zaps, and if you remember, two zaps. If you don't have an innate zap, um, is going to be a little bit under fifty percent, around like a forty-eight percent chance of happening. Um, if this spell is cast. All fighters adjacent to this caster suffer one damage, including your own. Yeah. So uh, I think that if you have, like, you might play this if you have uh, Curse Breakers and you're playing aggressively. Yeah, you because, could. Uh, you know, Storm Sire runs in, hits somebody, uses this at the end of the turn to, to deal that last damage. So this is one you want to combo with the uh, center of attention card. Yeah, that's another good. Yep, another great combo there. Yeah, it's right. interesting, and it does you know yeah. one damage. You could even combo with that other card before. Yeah, plus you, you can it. kill something with a with a spell, and there's a couple of objectives for Storm Sire where that happens. Where that's yeah, a, that's a thing. And it gets through their defense too. They can't block it. Right. Interesting yeah. card. Not super powerful, but 
I don't think it's amazing. I don't I think, think magic I, I is really there some, yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't feel as though magic has really fully come to its uh, logical conclusion. We still have four more factions coming up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, you guys ready to go to the upgrades? Yep. Yeah, man. All right, the first upgrade we're going to talk about. There's a lot of good upgrades in here. Um, a lot, a lot of them are at least decent. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is the uh, called Butcher's Eye. And there's a Kacharik, your boy, there, Randall. Um, it's an upgrade. If there are any crits in an attack roll for this fighter's attack action, resolve that attack action as if it had cleave. And uh, having cleave on Kacharik is pretty good because he gets to reroll everything. Well, yeah, I just thought this was a cool card. You know, and it's a pretty decent upgrade. Yeah. If you're running an aggressive warband. Or uh, dealing with anything that has a lot of dice. Yeah. I, th- I think there's yeah, yeah a lot of dice. You need to have a lot of dice. But, you know, there's also better offensive upgrades. Yeah. It's it would be the, nice for the, the even... Bad. You know, it has a picture of Kacharik on it. But it would be real nice for the Blue Har. Oh, yeah. Because the, <laughs> the Blue Har, you know, you get him to roll a bunch of extra dice. You know, and then his attack has... It has cleave. It's really annoying for your opponent to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Because Kacharik, you know, he he only has two dice. So he can re-roll it, which is cool. Well, uh, I mean, but but basically, you... you can re-roll them in like fish for crits. Yeah. I mean, that's technically rolling four dice. Yep. But it, it, uh, it, it would be good on yeah. anyone in in Zinch. Yeah, but you also have uh, concealed weapon. It's giving. I mean. Put them both together. Oh yeah, this doesn't have a yeah, range. This no, it doesn't. No, have a range. This one, it doesn't say you have to be adjacent, so you could do it on range attacks too. Yep. Yep. Interesting card. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And all those range attacks have three dice, or you could even. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to mess with that because that's already giving you a good chance of getting a crit. All right. Nice. Um, Let's move on to the next one. This next one is called Champion's Fortitude. Um, this one says uh, you can re-roll one defense dice every, each time you make a defense roll for this fighter. I think this is great if you have multiple defense dice. I think that this is also good. <clears throat> it, um, instead of... Because nobody's really playing with Tethered Spirit or Soul Trap. I don't see that quite so much anymore. Um, so, you know, having ways to get out of getting hit seems to be the way that people are going rather than uh, having a coin flip after you do get hit. Yeah. Right. I've been seeing this in a lot of decks, Champions Fortitude combined with, uh, you know, sudden growth and yeah, the Fortitude. And it's, it's a really, important it's a really to, good card. Yeah. yeah, and it's important to remember that the defense dice are just as good as the attack dice in this game. Yeah. And maybe even... I mean, like, you know, one crit on a defense dice can stop a whole bunch of successes from Absolutely. attack dice. The reroll just makes makes it a higher chance. You're of always that. probably fishing for that crit on there. Yeah. This is great right. in almost any warband. You throw this on your leader or somebody who's important. It's good. In yeah, I, I can see it. In almost anything. any warband. Yeah. And there's another one. Isn't there another one that kind of does the same thing from the original set? I forget the name. I can't think of it. I feel like I feel like I, 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 like I, I think it might have been Steelheart only. I think. 
No, no, no. I was using it in the in the in the Magors for a while. Or it might have been a, a ploy. No, no, it was an upgrade. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh trusted defender? Is that what it's called? Could be. Trust Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, let me let me look it up. Yeah, all right. Well, well while we're looking for that though, let's move on. Uh the next one's gonna be called Dirty Fighting. This is an upgrade, it's a reaction. Um, after this fighter's attack action that targets an adjacent enemy fighter and fails, roll an attack die. On a roll of a hammer or a crit, so a 50-50, that enemy fighter suffers damage. So they, so you have to really be careful to go after uh, anybody with dirty fighting. And also it's an upgrade, so it happens over and over and over again. Um, anytime anybody puts it. I mean, I think you, you can throw this on Gerzag or anything that's going to that uh, your opponent might target uh, just to make it a little bit harder to do or harder to harder to make the decision to do. Yeah. So if you have guys that make multiple attacks, like uh, if you have mighty swing in your deck or if you have, you know, playing Garrick's Reavers you know, or uh, the Harvester for skeletons, every time they attack, they're going to, this is going to potentially uh, hit them for one. Yeah. 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 So, so you can basically always make sure that you're landing something. That's pretty good. Yeah, interesting card. Yeah, it has to be adjacent though. So mm -hmm. there is there is a range restriction. It has to be uh, using melee weapons. All right, uh, next one. Uh, this is one that everybody is using. It's called Glory Seeker, uh, and this one says uh, it's an upgrade plus one damage to this fighter's attack actions that target a fighter with a wounds characteristic of four or more. A couple of things about this. First of all, every warband has a guy that's four or more. Right? Except Is there anyone goblins. that does not? Except for goblins. Okay, so it would be completely useless. It'd be dead card well, against goblins. Well, they usually, you, you know, most of the time the goblins put, uh, you know, the Yeah, they could, have, they they could put great fortitude. Guy. Yeah, because if they put great fortitude, then it works. Mm -hmm. And if you use Absos withering on something, it no longer mm -hmm. works. So you have to be careful there. But what's great about this is that there's no range restriction. So if you have far striders, you put this right in on far striders because they'll be shooting Magors from a distance for two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything, anything going up against orcs, steel hearts, far striders, uh, factions that are good in the meta. Yeah. A lot of the factions that are good in the meta. So, I mean, I think it's going to, you're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of war bands using this, um, and it being useful. Yeah. And it's wounds characteristic. So that right. makes it even more. Yeah. So if there's, it a works on upgrades. Pick, yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so we'll be seeing that one a lot more. I'm sure. Um, the next one is called horrifying armor. And for this one, you get minus one wound. So if you put this on Steelheart or something like that, Glory Seeker no, no longer works. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, adjacent enemy fighter attack actions have minus one dice to a minimum of one. So it makes it really hard for them to actually hit you. But if they do, you're kind of in trouble. Uh, yeah, I could see stacking this on after you've already upgraded. You know, let's say you had Champions Fortitude and... Great fortitude or sudden growth stacking right. this on and then too put would this be on there too. Pretty nice. Yeah. yeah, and then nobody would be able to hit you. Yeah, I find it. I find this very useful for the Skavens because yeah. it can run somebody up and just be annoying. But and I mean, you could even put it if you have two, and you're yeah, just gonna. Get you could even put it on an anyway. expendable guy if you get that other upgrade on there. 
Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, a great combo. It's not even it's it's not even if they're attacking this guy. It just says adjacent enemy fighters attack right. actions have minus you, one. You could uh, hit multiple people. You could use it to shield another important piece. You know, have them stand right next to them. Yeah. So if they end up getting in range of anyone that has this, then even it doesn't matter who they attack, they're going to have minus one dice. Weird. Yeah. Cool card. It's like an aura. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to put it on guys that don't really care about losing a wound. You know? Yeah. Even if it's just, it's just a little bit harder for them to kill you, then. Yeah. Either your tiny guys that have two health or your, you know, uh, you know, if, if you have, you know, four wounds on your guys, but mm-hmm. that's the most has right there. Yeah. All right. All so right. Uh, the next one is called uh, Mirror of Spite. This is a reaction as well. Uh, during an, atten- an enemy fighter's attack action that takes this fighter out of action, before removing them from the battlefield, all an- adjacent enemy fighters suffer one damage. So it becomes like a dead man switch. Yep, dead so man switch fine, from, from X-Wing. Blowing everybody up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought That's this was good. an interesting card. It really deters people from attacking you or at least attacking you in, in melee. Yeah, I can see this yeah. especially with um, with warbands that have a lot of small uh, lot, a lot of small guys, so like Skaven or Goblins or Garricks. Yep, or if you're yeah. stacking the enemies take one damage effect. Yeah, you can also do the whole um, you know, the center of attention thing there and just get everybody around you. Yep. Mm. Or you could kill yourself yeah, with that up though. Foolish fact or something. Yeah, the cards that <laughs> the cards oh, yeah. that work this, this way. Like, oh, you could suffer. do that. Wait, you could use ghoulish pack and, and kill something. And yeah, then I guess. Run them in like a bomb. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean it, that would take a lot of setup, but that'd be cool if you could pull it off. <laughs> yeah, anyway, <laughs> all right, we're skipping over the nullstone stuff because it's crap. Yeah. All right. Uh, Potion of Constitution is the next one. And this is a uh, reaction during an attack action or gambit that will damage this fighter. Discard this card. Reduce the damage suffered by one to a minimum of one. Yeah, this so... one's great just because it, it takes you out of, you know, one shot territory shot. sometimes. Yeah, pretty much. Especially early on. Yeah, when you don't have all your other upgrades out. Yeah. It's a good one to have early, especially if you especially if you sense that one of your... Uh, one of your fighters is being targeted um, or maybe you put them in a bad situation uh, too far away or, or too deep into enemy territory. You can slap this on there and they'll uh, have a better, easier chance of escaping. Yeah. As long as you could prevent uh, the one shot kill, it's almost worth this worth even more than uh, having tethered spirit or something, you know, because yeah, it is. Avoiding getting down to zero, I think, is better than Tethered Spirit or Soul Trap, which is a coin flip after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's this a 50 50 chance. This is 100% before the fact. Yeah. Yeah, definitely better. All right. Um, another one, the Potion of Grace. I played around with this a little bit um, with the Magors because one of the problems I had with them is that if somebody does, you know, like hallway, I have trouble getting to them and I need to get to them in order to score. So having Potion of Grace, it says reaction after remove token is placed next to this fighter. 
discard this card and remove that token. So you can move us like far along the board and then on the next activation, go and do a charge. Yeah, the problem is you have to already have a glory to put this out on a guy. Yeah, that's true. So if somebody hallways you and your and your or, deck or, is really reliant on yeah. This work with hidden pass as well? I think it would. Yeah. That's because it says after uh, move token is placed next no, to a fighter. Hit... Oh, it doesn't say it doesn't say do a move action. It says after. Oh, you're right. I'm looking at the next one down. Okay, yeah, you're right. After a move token is placed, yeah. Yep. You're right. Plus all those other things that that put move tokens on things. That yeah. Make you put a move a, token on. What is it? Um, aren't actually uh, a move action. What is it? Stainway crystal does that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really powerful. Being able to move anywhere on the board and then charge from that spot right. you're i'm just here now yeah 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 um so i i think it's i think it's good in, in certain situations and that's it's one of the limiting factors right, about yeah. both him uh hidden paths and Fainway crystal is that you're assigned that move token afterwards and you can get ganged up on after you do your one little move yeah yeah it's probably worth thinking about if you have those other two cards but it's going to kind of be hard to get this thing out because you need to have the glory first. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, a few more to go. Uh, we got the slumbering key, which is already restricted. Yeah, we um, figured we'd talk about this because it's restricted. And it's and it is a good it is a good one. Mm -hmm. I, I can still see people choosing to do this, especially if you're doing, uh, you know, defensive play and you're just trying to like score glory passively. I think this is still one that you consider from off the restricted list. And um, this just says if a fighter's not out of action in the third end phase, gain a glory point. Same thing as a destiny to meet. Yep. And that we all could, know and love. Right. I could, so you could stack it with all those keys and all the other stuff. And now there's another the tome that does this, something similar. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that next, actually. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Go. Why why was it restricted? I think because they wanted to sort of limit the non-interactive style of play. Right. They want people to to fight. Yeah. yeah. And they took this out. You know, they wanted to the, they still wanted to have defensive play. They wanted to reward, you know, certain people for if they want to play defensively, but just not the no interaction at all style of play. So they kept in a lot of the, you know, core cards, but then they got rid of these little extra ones that they didn't really need. Lumbering Key and Destiny to meet. Alright. We here's here's the next one. Uh also a glory scorer. Tome of Glories, which is a cataphrane tome, which still only costs one. It's the relics that cost two. Um it says action, gives you an action. If this fighter is holding an objective, gain glory point. Place a charge token next to the fighter. So uh, you can just score an extra. You can just uh, hey, look, one action for one glory. That you know that was the whole point of change of tactics. That's why people were playing that. Yeah. So um, so this is this this is economically the same thing. And it's glory. Only you don't in make the chart. action phase. Yeah. It, important to point out that you can only do this once in a phase unless because you, you have to put the token charge token. Somebody. Yeah, unless you can take the charge token off because then can't do an action again so it's, it might not be as good as some people think at first right well i like it where in a warband let's say you're playing um night haunt or something and you put an objective sort of far in the back and you have one of your little chain refs on there for pretty much the whole game 
you put this on yeah, there, it's really going to pressure your opponent into maybe trying to use hidden paths on one of them and getting back there. Yeah, that's just, great. Just gaining glory. Really great if you could get it out in the first, uh, in the first round. Yeah. With, with, an, with a spoils round. of battle or, you know, an immediately, act, you know, scored objective and just get this thing out. Yep. It's a pretty good passive score. And if you're a collector, you're going to want to have all the cataphrane tomes. Of course. And you're not forced to buy, you know, those expansions to... You're not forced to buy the expansions again that you don't now, want. You can just get this, this little pack. I was confused because... Is this count as a cataphrane? No. No, it counts as no. a tome, not a relic. Yep. Right. Okay. It only so costs one glory. The to relics that are, that are two glory to put on. Yeah. But there is a card, I think it was in the Zinch pack, or the Goblins, or one of those that said... Yeah, it's like all the relics. Yeah, the if, if you, you have, have all the... Yeah. If you have a bunch of tomes on one guy, you score an extra bunch of glory at the end. For, for each tome? Yeah. I mean, I, do, you okay. th- do you think we're going to get like a tome deck where people are... I don't know. The tomes that? haven't been that great so far. going for it yet. Hopefully well, not. Well, we'll see, because cause there are definitely some tomes that are missing. Because if you if you look at the uh, the code numbers that they are... There's like four missing. Yeah, we'll have to see what the next few ones are. Well, hopefully they learn their lesson with that. (laughs) And the last one, we did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last one is called Touch of Death, which is restricted to yes, which is restricted to wizards, um, and uh, has the Briar Queen on it. Uh, Place a charged. Oh, sorry. It's it's a it's it's an upgrade. It's an attack action. One. Uh, one range, one hammer, three damage, which is a lot for one dice. Uh, place a charge token next to any fighter damaged by this attack action, which seems kind of redundant because if you're hitting things for three, you're going to kill a lot of stuff. What's the point of putting a charge token next to a dead thing? But, um, yeah, and it's only one, one dice. I don't know, it's not going to land. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good card, guys. I don't think it is a good card, but I think it's kind of it, I think it's interesting. You have to do it on a wizard. Yeah, though. we haven't seen anything like this before. It's yeah. It's maybe it, if it, you it, have upgrades that, that give you more dice, then right. It, but it, but but if you and land if it and yeah. the guy doesn't die, it acts like frozen in time. And and maybe if it's on a you know a stinky little wizard that's like you know your cheap little wizard that his yeah, attack have- just sucks anyway. Yeah, we don't and really have any of those. Well, maybe yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have a lot of those yet, so let's see what the other factions do. I, I feel like a lot of these cards we're going to have to revisit when all the factions are out because uh, they're going to have just different things that they can do, and it's just yeah. going to... So this one is interesting, and it has the potential of being good, but not yet. Not yet. Right. I all like right, this so- if uh, if you're playing against, like, storm sire or somebody somebody has a hero that you can't kill with two you know you have to kill him with two activations or maybe they've put so many upgrades on the guy that it's hard to even touch him and he has so much health this can just kind of take him out of the game a little bit oh yeah if you if you sneak the hit in yeah but again you have to land it which is yeah super tough it requires some support uh support and luck Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the uh, that's kind of the stuff that we thought was interesting out of that pack. Um, now we're going to move on to our final segment, uh, the keys to salvation. And as 
we have done in the past. If we have a guest, we have the guest give our uh, our tip. And Rob, what tip are you going to come with today? Okay, so today we're going to talk about when to mulligan your hand. So, as we all know, when you you draw cards at the beginning of the game, you have a choice to mulligan your hand. You can you have to discard all your uh, your objectives or your uh, power cards, or both. Uh, yeah, or both. You could do both, and you won't be able to use them in the game. Yeah, they just go on your discard, and you can't use them anymore. Uh, so it's about talking about what are the issues with this, like when do you want to do it, and what it depends on. So the first point I was going to make is that it's important to consider how many cards are in your deck first, like with the power cards. More because uh, if you if you discard your your five cards, then you got to remember that you might run out of cards at the end of the game. Like if you're going to be drawing using an activation to draw a card, or you have other cards in your hand that are going to draw more cards, you, you don't really want to run out of cards. So that's something that you want to consider first off. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, certainly you don't want to over mulligan. Um, if you run out of cards, that's worse than having a crappy card. Is <laughs> having no cards. And oh, it works with the objectives too. Like, because yeah. if you have to draw immediately cards, you 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 might run out of objectives. If you if you get that's rid true. of three, I've, I've done that. But usually, if I run out of all my score immediately, I've won the game. You know, yeah, like if I'm scoring them and I have nothing to draw, I'm usually pretty far ahead. But you also might be forced to discard them at some point, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if Magor dies, I, there's a couple of ones in there that are useless. If I don't have three guys, that uh, no escape becomes useless. Yeah. Yep. And for newbies out there, if you have four or more upgrades in your hands, automatically usually a good idea to no matter how uh, good they are yeah right. even if they're really good even if it's like they're your your great upgrades and there it's are, not a good idea to keep and there that. are two reasons for that one you can't score upgrades especially in the first round because in the first round is the one where you're going to really be mulliganing like an entire hand you're not you can't put upgrades on in the first round anyway because you don't have glory yet and then the other thing is if you do the math if you let let's say you draw a hand uh, and it's, you know, it's, 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 I actually love it when this happens because it makes yeah. my game a lot easier. You know, if I, yeah. if I draw up four or five upgrades, I'm like, Oh sweet. I drew all upgrades. I throw them away. Yeah. Now I have 15 cards and two out of every three cards are going to be a ploy. Yeah. Now you have gambit. more, more chance of getting your poison. Exactly. Those are much more actionable. Everybody knows that gambits are worth more. Uh, in your deck than than the upgrades are so I'm I'm stoked to get you know four upgrades five upgrades in my opening hand I'm mulligan so, that so how do you feel about three upgrades because Depend it depends on what the two ploys are yeah it depends you know for me if I get one of the force multipliers like if I get twist the knife and uh, you know inspiration strikes I'll probably keep it what about mulliganing your objectives how do you guys what are your tips on that okay so. As far as objectives, you have to, first of all, there's the issue if you get a round three scoring objective, 
if you draw round three scoring objective in the first round, that means you're going to have to hand, hang on to that card for the rest of the game. And it's usually bad to do that. Uh, yeah, Even if it's that a means good card. You're, you're giving up by having that card in your hand. You're giving up scoring in each of the other two rounds. You're giving up one of your opportunities to score something just so that you can score something bigger at the end, maybe. Right. And, and that's a deck building issue, but that's why I really try not to have too many of those cards in my deck. Yeah, yeah. Turn turn three, I, I think I've, yeah. I have two at the moment. I think I have Conquest. Yeah. No, no, because I, I took out Superior Tactician. Um, and I put in conquest, so I think I, I think conquest is my only one right now. Yeah, um, yeah, the decks I've been building is only one. I, I'll put only one in there. Yeah, and I'll typically throw conquest away in my first, um, depending on what the other ones are. Like if I have two good ones and then conquest, I'll probably keep the hand. But if I have one good one and one that's like kind of okay and conquest, I'll probably throw it away. And if I still have conquest in my hand at the end of the first round, I'll usually throw it away. Yeah, you can throw it away in the end phase. Yeah. You could like, yeah, but if you have conquest and then you have two score immediately, or even one score immediately in your hand, you might consider holding on to it and then getting rid of it in the uh, in the end phase rather than throwing away your whole hand. Right, but it might. It's another reason why you might want to mulligan at the start. You also have to consider, you know, if you have some certain objectives like around in your deck, you know, and you just want to get to those objectives, like you just every because they're so much better than everything else, you know, and especially considering your, the game, the situation, like that's another reason why you might want to mulligan your objectives at the start, just to get closer to getting those other ones. Yeah, another thing I can think of is uh, mulliganing based on the matchup. Mm. How do you feel about that one, Max? I, I can see situations where that would be the case. Like, if, like for instance, if, if I'm playing against another team that's also very aggressive, having Conquest becomes a little bit more difficult. Usually when I, I see uh, an aggressive warband across the board, I will um, instead play Ambush. And so conquest ends up being not so great a thing to have. So if I would, so if, so if I see like orcs on the other side or another Magor's group or reavers and I pull up conquest in the first round and like the other two are not necessarily things that I might score, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll mulligan and I'll just, I'll just clean that and see if I can get something better. Yeah. So, so what do you think the bar would be for how much, when you, when you're making that decision about the first round of the game and you're thinking to yourself, well, how much of this can I actually score? You know, is it like two glory or, you know, one glory? Um, I, I would take one or two. I would take one yeah. or two. I would take one actually because, you know, my deck's designed to kill things. So there's my extra glory right there. Yeah. So even had, but I mean, if it's a score immediately too, then that gives yeah, you and then right because then because then you might have another one pop up that's more scorable. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It also depends on what you know power cards you have in your hand. Like you know, if I if I draw up you know uh, four um a, four um, upgrades and I have Playmaster in my hand. Right. Then I'll you keep Playmaster. Yeah. I'll throw away the four. Um, you know, I'll throw away the power uh, thing, and then I'll probably pick up three ploys from that. Right. So don't look at your objectives first, and then Mulligan, and then then look at your yeah. Power look cards. at them all so together at, and yeah, see. Yeah. Get full 
information. It's like G.I. Joe said, now just half the battle. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. That's also the second time I've said that. Because I think I said it last week, too. Uh, right. Yeah. But if you're looking for, like, and considering the matchup, let's say that you're looking for, like, you know that something's in your deck that is going to be really great in this matchup. Like, let's say, like, you know, you have, like, a... Mighty swing might be good, depending on what they got, or... You know, or shard gale, yeah. or shard gale. Yeah. Then in those cases, like if you know there's something in there that is definitely gonna could easily win you the game, then it's worth it, even to get good of some get rid of some other good stuff just to get closer to that other thing. Sometimes you got to go fish. Yeah, that yeah. happens to me when I play against you a lot, Max. I feel like you mulligan just so you can get the the aggression starting right away. Oh, is that what I'm doing? I think I think so. Like I've seen times when you've mulliganed decent cards just so that you can get you know trap. Oh the knife. yeah, yeah. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh just no, so well, you can that's, start that, off that's and what, kill one of my I don't guys know if, right away. But you remember that's what happened. That's how I beat Dan in that that uh, that uh, in the finals yeah. of that uh, that thing that we did because I mulliganed my cards and then I remember and then I picked them up. And then he and then he was like he was making a joke about how like oh let me guess you got like twist the knife and trap and pit trap and ready for action I'm looking at him like yeah no that's how I play no I totally did like I yeah I play when I play against you I I just imagine that you have all of them at all at all you know at all times until I see you play them and I usually do. I usually so, have at least one. Yeah. I have to I have to plan that's around. That's why I have all this you stuff know, in there. That's four, why I have three, that's why I have two inspiration plays and uh three three force multipliers. <laughs> like I I gotta land I gotta land damage. So yep. I'm gonna i I'm gonna fish for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then if I but then if I put you in the hallway or whatever and you get twist the knife and trap, you will mulligan that just might, to get spectral wings. Because you know that you're never going to actually even get to me without it. Yep. Hidden paths. Yeah. Yep. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it depends both on the matchup and board the placement. board placement. There's a lot of stuff. But but that's the reason why you have to you have to really consider. And, you know, there's no, you know, you can sit there and think for a few minutes. There's no rush. You know, right. really consider what the matchup is. Consider the board. Consider the, uh, you know, the, the play style of your opponent. A lot of people have playing supremacy so if yeah. you're if you're the one that's placing two objectives on your side probably worth it to get rid of supremacy yeah or mulligan or, for supremacy. if you don't have yeah yeah if you're the other one I, right i, I do that you, a lot with uh if it, right if, or the other way around if you're you have three objectives on your side you know having that supremacy especially in the first round wow like it's it's so powerful if you get that in the first round yeah, if Before I lose the, the board roll off and I get to and I get to place three objectives on my side, a lot of times I will mulligan for supremacy just because it's so you know strong gives you such a good head start. If you're playing yeah. an objective marker base warband, and now there's other cards out there like that, like the uh, I forget what it's called when you have one guy on one side and one guy on their side. Oh, extreme flank, extreme flank. Uh, extreme flank. Yeah, that's similar Which now. Is, restri- is that restricted? That is yeah. restricted. Yeah. Right, but. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in all my decks anyway because that's I don't know I I tend to think that the objective cards are better to use your restricted points on than other cards. I think it depends on on what faction you're playing because I use it all on gambits. 
Oh, that's interesting. Well, no, because because my guys need to kill things, so I need to make sure that I one shot stuff. Yeah, no, nothing screws up your opponent more than killing all their guys. Yeah, I think yeah, I use definitely. a balance of ploys and objectives. Yeah, I, never I think upgrades. That's very usually specific. don't. But that's like yeah. that's a story for another day, though. All right. Yeah, uh, I think we did good. I think we're done. I feel, how you feel, Rob? Um, it's good. Yeah. Thanks for very coming, good. man. I mean, it was it's great to have you because you 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 know you're very knowledgeable and and we got to talk to you again. Uh, Next time we have Jan, uh, we gotta we gotta talk about painting because, uh, damn, yeah, you 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 and Randall, like I I am definitely just like walking around looking looking up at giants when you guys are, are <laughs> bringing you. No, seriously, like like your Skaven are like so good. They look so dark and so menacing. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's high level stuff. I, I really suggest everybody ch- uh, checks out his stuff on. Uh, on the website, which name I totally forgot. X Profundus. That's the one. I remember. I knew it. It. Yeah, I remember. It's not all my stuff. It is no, 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 but, people that. Well, there's a lot of good that. stuff on it. I mean, but but again, yeah. some of it is yours. And, um, and, and all my stuff on there is 40k stuff. But there's yeah. other some fantasy stuff on there. Uh, some shaped by uh, the Age of Sigmar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sure thing. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. All right, so uh, for Battle for Salvation podcast, uh, this is Max Bernstein. And I'm Randall. And Rob Mead. And Rob Mead. Let's, and we'll see you guys next time. Okay, bye, guys. Bye.